You know, 15, 20 years from now, when kids who were too young to remember this time, like my son, ask us about the coronavirus and what it was like, I suspect we're going to have a tough time explaining quite a bit of what happened. There's the fact that Fox News denied the existence of the virus for weeks while it spread, claiming it to be part of a political conspiracy. Some people, even while their neighbors were dying, rushed to the beaches just to feel like their lives were normal again, or maybe they wanted to declare their right to live free or die. And then there's the part where our president appears to have promoted ingesting bleach as a way to disinfect oneself from the virus. That, I imagine, will be the toughest fact to make sense of down the road. But should we really be surprised? We've been living in a world of false equivalencies, propaganda, and questionable data for a minute here. And whatever its origins may be, it's largely on us, citizens, to navigate a world where a silent killer is sweeping through our society. And we can't come to consensus on whether or not it's even fatal. We need help. That's why today we're talking to Egyptian satirist, comedian, and author, Bassem Youssef. We'll talk about why this virus is bringing out the worst in people and how we can put this strange interlude to our lives into perspective. From Neon Hum Media, this is Telescope. I'm your host, Jonathan Hirsch. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for the foreseeable future, we're going to bring you stories of people who are far away, up close, and how each of us are learning to live through this pandemic. Hey, uh, Jonathan, why are you changing between anonymous skunk and anonymous dinosaur? I first met Bassem Youssef in the spring of 2018. This is us here in a script together, making our first podcast. And as often happened, my cursor was in the way of his next line. Anonymous skunk, get your cursor out of here. Anonymous skunk. Yes, thank you. It had been a hectic couple of years for Bassem. Only a few years earlier, he'd been living in Egypt, working as a surgeon. And then... Either this is the first Arab revolution of the 21st century, or it will be brutally suppressed. Okay, I'm in Tahrir Square, which is the biggest central square Cairo. Mubarak deposed. Egypt's 18-day revolution defies all expectation. A moment ago, the crowd just exploded into cheering and flag-waving uh, and chanting the word freedom. When the Arab Spring hit Egypt, Bassam started a satirical television show. At first, he just filmed short videos in his laundry room and posted them on YouTube. But he quickly racked up an audience in the millions and was catapulted onto Egyptian television. He was a hit. Bassam got some international attention around this time. You might have heard of people comparing him to a certain beloved American television host. The John Stewart of Egypt. Bassem Youssef, dubbed Egypt's John Stewart, left no one unscathed with his biting satire during the country's turbulent Arab Spring uprising. Maybe John Stewart is the Bassem Youssef of the United States. Who knows? Oh, John Stewart. We still miss you. Anyway, Bassem's show came at an unusual time in Egypt at a time when it looked like maybe Egypt was going to become a democracy. 
and on his show, Bassam made fun of powerful people in Egypt as though he was living in a democracy, as though that was something you were allowed to do. Of course, that's not something you're allowed to do in a dictatorship. Dictators demand unquestioning allegiance from their citizens, or else. Eventually, Bassam saw the business end of or else. It came in 2014, three years after longtime dictator Hosni Mubarak was ousted, and just a couple of months before the new authoritarian leader, Abdel Fattah al-Sisi, took power. He pokes fun at power. Now he's facing arrest. Bassem Youssef is a household name in Egypt. He gained a fan base lampooning public figures following the uprising that ended Hosni Mubarak's rule two years ago. On his show, Youssef mocked the Muslim Brotherhood and the leader of the army, General Abdel Fattah el-Sisi, who eventually became president. After Bassem fled Egypt, he eventually ended up in the United States. And that's when I met him, back when I first started this company, Neon Hum, in 2018. Bassem was the host of a podcast called Remade in America, the very first podcast we ever produced here. And I believe with all my heart that he, more than anyone, can help us make sense of a time like this. I wanted to hear how he was navigating this dangerous and sometimes fact-free world of life during the coronavirus. Bassam still lives in the U.S., in Los Angeles, actually, with his wife and two kids. Neon Hum producer Vikram Patel and I got on a Zoom call with Bassam a few days ago. You want to see Adam? Guys, you want to see Adam? Yes, I do. Oh, hi, Adam. Yeah. Yes. And this is Nadia. Hi. Oh, okay, okay. Okay, bye-bye. <laughs> Bassam and his family have been riding out the quarantine together in their cozy home. I'm trying to fill my day. It's great. I say, I'm going to write. So I'm, I'm writing a new book. I am learning piano online, learning music, and I'm trying to put an hour and a half of workout a day. And this is what I try to do every day. Try being the operative word. When you have a two years old, it is the most difficult thing. You have an eight years old, you put her on, on, in, that, in front of Netflix, give her a book, she's fine. But a two years old, oh my God, he's like a dog. He has to be taken out to be walked around for like three or four times a day. He is he's exactly, he's like the pet that I never had. He, he jumps on my keyboard, he eats from my food, he shits everywhere, he spoils everything. It's like, imagine, this question should be, it's, it's like answering someone, how does it to live with dogs in captivity? Bassam's keeping a sense of humor about this whole thing. At least, I think he's kidding. We're reading about the collective trauma of a generation that suddenly has to be locked down. And of course, like if you think about it, now we're not allowed to touch a kiss, to go to clubs, and we're even covering our faces. So um, basically, uh, Sharia came, baby, whether you liked it or not. I left a place where people are locked down in prison. I came here, now people locked out in their houses. Basically, from Egypt, I brought Sharia law and martial laws. Bassam doesn't have a lot of patience for people in denial, even in a pandemic. I was, of course, surprised and taken aback by everybody. But the thing is, once reality hits, when you read history, you just say that it just happened before. Other people did not accept it and they still live in denial. So they say oh, it must be a conspiracy. The thing about Bassam is that he's a straight talker. That's how he got 30 million people to watch his show each week. Ultimately, 
what made him effectively an enemy of the state, too. What forced him to get out of Dodge, so to speak. He wasn't willing to lie about what was going on, about the people in power. Which, in a way, is what's demanded of anyone living under a dictator's rule. Pretend that everything's all right. Great, actually. In America, no one's physically forcing us to do that. But Bassam noticed since the pandemic started, a lot of people are just lying to themselves about what's going on. I mean, I have unfriended 10 people in the last uh, few weeks. He's been confronted with a lot of denial since the pandemic started, which, in some ways, he kind of gets. We kind of got comfortable in our own skin, thinking that we have tamed the world and, like, and that civilization have already won. But the thing is, if you look at our life, it is full of famines, plagues, wars. But I think we haven't seen a, a plague, a real plague in a while. And uh, most of the people in the first world has not been exposed to catastrophes. And this is why two things are happening. Number one, the denial. And number two, the conspiracy theories. Uh, because you cannot see it. A virus, a, a plague, you cannot really see it. So you either reject it or you want to find uh, an explanation for, for it to make it not real. And, right. and many of it come from very educated people. It can be scary to look at this pandemic head on because the reality is we're in a dire situation. We don't have the answers. We're not sure what life after COVID is going to look like. We're not even sure how the virus works yet or really how to treat it. We can barely wrap our heads around testing our citizens for it. And when things are that scary and uncertain, the allure of slipping into an alternate reality can be powerful, especially when there are so many alternate realities to choose from. Supposing we hit the body. So many people peddling them. Uh, whether it's ultraviolet or just very powerful light. And then I said, supposing you brought the light inside the body, you can, which you can do either through the skin or... Uh, in some other way. Including, of course, the president of the United States. Right, and then I see the disinfectant where it knocks it out in a minute, one minute. And is there a way we can do something like that? Please, don't drink bleach. The problem with America is that, that you have a president that is spreading misinformation Trump and Fox News are not the only ones spreading misinformation and sometimes outright lies. There are a lot of conspiracy theories out there, a million different ways to try to stick your head in the sand, take cover from the frightening reality that we're in. Like the credibility of the person seeing the conspiracy theory does not matter anymore. It, as long as he says something that makes me feel comfortable. So for example, that guy, David Icke, he describes himself as a conspiracy theorist. He already says that. David Icke is a British guy, former soccer player in his late 60s. He's become famous in recent years for some totally off-the-wall and offensive conspiracy theories. And he had a very famous theory that we are ruled by aliens, reptilian aliens called the Babylon Brotherhood, that they have replaced the world leaders and that the 1% and that we call the Illuminati are actually aliens from other planets. The whole reptile thing has got an anti-Semitic tint to it, too. Many of the secret lizard people supposedly ruling us are Jewish. And Ike recently went viral with a theory that 5G, right, like the cell phone network, is causing the coronavirus. So that is actually, and, and, and I go to, and to my friends, I'm like, guys, 
this guy has a theory about aliens, <laughs> reptilian aliens ruling us. It's like, it doesn't matter. I'm, I, I like what he says. You start to see why Bassam has been unfriending people. Of course, the majority of people are not buying into David Icke's theories about 5G and the lizard people. But there are a lot of people seeking refuge in a much simpler form of denial. Namely, the notion that things aren't as bad as experts say they are. And even that we're safe, that we don't need a lockdown. Let's open things back up. And you know, Bassam gets why rejecting reality is so compelling, especially in a place like the United States, where some people literally can't afford to believe that what's happening is happening. They, I, I think they are, they are misinformed. They are, they are, they cannot bear the idea of having uh, defaulted on their mortgages. I think a lot of these people, they're worried that they cannot go and, and open their businesses. And I think that actually tells more about the economic structure of the United States more than anything. That how can people staying at home for a, a, a month are willing to go out and get the, take the risk of getting infected and even die rather than losing their income. And, and I think all of the, these discussions will come back to the basic the disparity between the rich and the poor in this country or the, the middle class and the, up, and the very, very, very rich people who have uh, enjoying huge amount of, of wealth and in the same time they're not taxed enough. And in the same time, it's, uh, you have people who are basically living check to check. Now you're living in a, in, a, in a place where the rich are bailed out, the big corporations are bailed out, and just the, the middle class are just like left to face this alone. So I think it, it, it really comes down to inequality at the end of the day. This stuff isn't entirely abstract for Bassam. He's a comedian, though he's not performing right now. I said, if I would really kind of have, go into economical hardship and cannot afford it anymore, I would go to Oregon. It's, it's, it's still a liberal state, lots of weeds, uh, and much cheaper. <laughs> I love it. He's not there yet, fortunately. He's been keeping busy. He just announced a book that'll be coming out next year, The Magical Reality of Nadia, named after his own daughter. It's about a girl who moves from Egypt to the U.S. when she's six. It's uh, inspired by Nadia, where we use magic and history and, um, and ancient stories from ancient Egyptian uh, times in order to talk about uh, acceptance and, and things that people in the middle school start to hear about, like, racism and skin color and stuff like that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. Do you ever wonder how celebrities order food? Like, is Sarah Paulson a Diet Coke or a regular Coke girlie? <laughs> Some peasant Coke? No. 
Or how does Sofia Vergara order a pizza? No, no, no tomatoes. I cannot eat tomatoes. No tomatoes? Yes. Are you killed mushrooms? Not really. Okay. <laughs> if these are the details you need, and I know you do, I have the podcast for you. I'm Jesse Tyler Ferguson, and on my podcast, Dinners on Me, I take some notable friends of mine out to dinners in Los Angeles and New York City. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. That thing was delicious. When I called up Bassam to do the interview, I was thinking about how it feels sort of dangerous to be an American during the crisis. It feels like we're making a mess of things. I thought Bassam would agree, have some harsh words for our bumbling government that's flubbing the pandemic. But he surprised me. Trump might lie at press conferences, some Americans might protest lockdowns, and the GDP itself is taking a hit. But Bassam says he's glad to be here. So, and, and the thing is, we have the same in Egypt. Yes, we kind of have a lockdown. It's kind of a semi-lockdown. But in the same time, we have absolutely no transparency of numbers. So uh, the, the thing is about dictatorships are that they're, they're very good in appearances. It appears that we have a lockdown. In, the, in dictatorship, it's a one-way street. It's like, this is me. You're not allowed to ask. You're not allowed to uh, investigate. You're not allowed for any level of transparency. So even if non-democratic countries are not doing well, like Italy or France or Spain, there is a level of accountability and transparency that the, the people have the right to ask the government and the government has an obligation towards its citizens. With dictatorship, it's all about appearances and it doesn't have to do anything with the rights of the people, but it's how the government appears. So I don't think that my experience as someone who's been in a dictatorship will help me anyway to being in a lockdown but it can help me see the difference between a government that is made for the people by the people and a government just made for the people and the government. Well, he's glad to be in California anyway. And actually, I have to say that I'm very happy that like, I live in California. And the, the way that the, this state has actually dealt with it is something that makes you like a proud Californian. I didn't understand. It's kind of like, it's, and it's not empty pride. It is like proud of like how those people kind of take care of their citizens. It's very important. As Bassam points out, we know a lot of what our government is doing wrong because it's out in the open or it gets exposed. States are questioning, even sometimes defying the federal government. As citizens, we're free to question our government, demand transparency. We might not always get it, but we're not forced to live in denial here. Here, it's a choice. Our deepest thanks to Bassem Youssef for taking time to catch up with us today. Each week, we hear from listeners around the world about your lives in isolation. Emails, tweets, voice memos, anything you send us to tell us about what you're going through. We want to share one with you today. A couple of years ago, Tiffany decided to have a baby on her own. She knew raising a child would have its challenges, but she had a plan. In those first few weeks after she delivered, her parents would take turns helping her with chores and cooking. Her friends were scattered nationwide, but they planned to visit in shifts to help with the new baby. She wasn't in this alone. She had a village. She gave birth on March 16th, and now, thanks to the coronavirus, her plans are out the window. It was a little bit of a bummer after baby came that people couldn't come to the hospital to see us. And then when I got home, it was a little bit challenging for a couple of days because 
I didn't want a lot of people to come see us. The more that leaders are talking about what isolation looks like and what social distancing looks like and why it's smart, the more helpful it is for me to turn people away because otherwise I just feel really guilty telling my brother-in-law he can't hold his niece yet and not letting any of my nieces and nephews meet them. You know, so instead we're doing a lot of FaceTime visits and introductions via video calls. A week after baby Margaret was born, Tiffany could only count six people who had held her. Which is wild. I feel like every other time there's been a birth in my family, 30 people touch the baby that day. Yeah? Oi. I gotta go. Okay. That was Tiffany in Anchorage, Alaska. Telescope is made possible by the world-class team of producers, editors, and engineers that make up Neon Hum Media. John Asante is the managing producer of Telescope. Today's episode was produced by Carla Green. It was edited by Catherine St. Louis and Vikram Patel. Our engineer is Scott Somerville. Thanks, as always, to Matt McGinley for our theme music and to Blue Dot Sessions for additional tracks you hear on this episode. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Neon Hum Media. We've got a Facebook page now. Just search Telescope. We want to stay connected with you during this unprecedented time in our history, so please don't be shy. Share your stories with us. Our DMs are open. If you have a story of life in isolation because of the coronavirus that you want to share with us, email us at pitches at neonhum.com. You just might end up on the show. I'm Jonathan Hirsch. Try to make this weekend feel like a weekend, okay? Thanks. See you on Monday.